season's greetings and welcome again to Living for Him with CJ Cousins. You know, Deidre and I were recently in Chicago at the 180 Worship Experience, which is the second service at the Hinsdale Seventh-day Adventist Church in Chicago. As our Christmas gift to you this season, we'd like to share with you the message I preached at 180 in Chicago entitled, What Jesus Wants for Christmas. So sit back and enjoy this special holiday message. Amen. 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 Someone has come to worship Christ, the new Borgin, tonight. I'm so glad to be here at 180. I feel like I'm around family. I really do. I really do. And Colin and his family here and the worship team. Everyone has totally made me feel completely at home and welcome. And so I believe that that song was appropriate because we have come to worship. We have come to worship this God baby that came in a little manger and somehow the God of the universe was wrapped in swaddling clothes and came to die for you and me. And so I'm excited because anytime I pick up the Bible, for some reason, the Lord just keeps giving me the same message over and over again. I go to Genesis to Revelation and I keep seeing God is love just all over the place. All over the place. And I'm so excited to be a part of this church because this church, its message is centered in that. That God is love. You know, I was growing up in Brooklyn. And um, in Brooklyn, New York, it's, it's kind of similar to the weather that's up here right now. And I left there when I was seven years old. And then I went to South Florida. And I was in Fort Lauderdale. And so I was with the uh, sandy beaches and the palm trees and the sun. And so you know what I'm feeling right now <laughs> over there in Bang Springs, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I don't think this weather is conducive to someone necessarily like me from Fort Lauderdale. But, but anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be here. The warmth is inside this place. And well, growing up in New York, uh, one of the things that I loved was, of course, the holiday season. Now, the holiday season, obviously, as you know already, I didn't necessarily enjoy it because of the snow. But I loved everybody just, what was that? The snow was amazing. It's beautiful when it comes down, but when it kind of gets on your skin and on your shoes and everything, it's not all that cool. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I really enjoyed about um, the holiday season, everybody just seems to be in an overall, generally in a much better mood. And, and there just seems to be, you know, the festivities and the colors and the lights and, and the shopping and, and the food. I said food. Is there going to be food with the movie tonight? There is? I'm sorry. I was just thinking about food for a second. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm in the right place. But one of the wonderful things that I loved about it, of course, now, now forgive me for those of you that know better now, but I believed in Santa Claus when I was a kid. Okay, so just excuse me for that. And, uh, and it wasn't the reindeer and the shows that came on about Santa Claus and all that. Quite honestly, if I'm to be honest with you, what I loved about the holidays was that somehow Santa Claus hooked up with my parents and I got gifts. <laughs> I got toys, G.I. Joe, Transformers, you name it. I was growing up in the 80s, so that's what I wanted. Transformers, you know. And uh, that's what I looked forward to. 
Okay, there was the food and the family and everybody coming together, but I wanted some toys. I gave my parents the list from back in September because I knew from, 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 from summer vacation, all my friends had this particular toy, so I wanted that one. So I gave them the list. And of course, you know, uh, my brother and I, he was four years younger than me, he still is. Um, he, it's funny how that works, that's right. He, he and I kind of worked out this CIA covert operation, Christmas Eve. Everybody's asleep, and he and I, when everybody's asleep, would go into the living room, and we would sneak into the living room, and we would look at the gifts. And as we looked at each gift, you know, we're kind of sizing it up. You know what I'm talking about? We're sizing it up, and we're like, oh, that big one, that's, that's for me, so, you know, that's for me. And that little one, that's for you. And, and, and then we're looking at the size of it, and we're like, okay, I think that's a radio control car. Yeah, I think that's what that is. And now I'm gonna kind of like, you know, this is a good time to confess when you're in church. What we would do, really what we would do, we would sometimes rip just a tiny little piece off the, 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 the wrapping paper, you know what I'm talking about? And you would just kind of peek just a little bit. Maybe I can see just, you know, something on the box or something on the, on the a label or something that lets me know what this gift is. And sometimes it would work, and sometimes it wouldn't work. He's shaking his head. Sometimes it would not work. And so I would get up in the morning, and if we did know what it was, we would act really surprised when mom and dad would kind of bring out the gifts and say, okay, it's time to open it up. And so, of course, you know, as I grew older, I still love receiving gifts, and so you can drop it at Collins Place if you like, or send it to Andrews University. <laughs> I still love to receive gifts. However, um, as I grew, and especially as I came to know this wonderful person named Jesus Christ, my, my attitude towards receiving gifts slowly, slowly started to change. Um, more and more now, I like giving gifts. I still like receiving gifts, but I like giving gifts. I like to see what people's faces look like when they see the gift that they've wanted all year long, or, or maybe it was a birthday or an anniversary. Especially my wife, she knows what I'm talking about because she gets a lot of those gifts. But I love to see that smile just come across her face or anyone, any loved one that I have. But as I've grown, and as I've grown in a, in a love relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, he's, he's close to me now. And during the Christmas season, I kind of say to myself, you know, I call him daddy sometimes, or, you know. And I say, you know, this whole season's about you. And I say, you know, do you have a list? Is there something that you want from me? Is there something you want from Colin? Is there something you want from my wife? Is there something you want from us here at 180 during this holiday season? What do you want for Christmas, Jesus? And, you know, as I talk with him, you know, I talk to him, and he'll talk back to me. He'll bring me to his word. And if you go with me, this is what he told me in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Jesus kind of showed me what's on his Christmas list. Is that all right? Matthew chapter 2. I'm just going to read it with you. It says, now after Jesus was born, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet.'" 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring word back to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed and behold the star they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary's mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can we talk to my dad real quick? Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, <laughs> we've come to worship you, Lord. Somehow move me out of the way and let this be your moment to speak to the hearts of the people here at 180. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. 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 What does Jesus want for Christmas? I believe it's just three things. You see, by the time we get to Matthew chapter 2, Jesus is now a young child, most likely no more than two years old. Unlike so many of the nativity stories that we see today, only the shepherds were guests at the birth in the manger in Bethlehem. The Gospel of Luke tells the wonderful story of these shepherds and their introduction to this God baby. However, when Matthew try, uh, writes about Christ's birth, he tells us about his genealogy. He tells us about the story of, of, of the experience of Mary and Joseph, and then quickly tells us that Christ was born and that they named him Jesus. But as we pick up the story in chapter 2, Matthew seems to want to tell us the story from the perspective of what may have been three unexpected guests from the East, three wise guys or wise men from the East, as it states in the story. In verse two, it gives us, these are the only words that it's recorded that they ever said. They said, they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the East and have come to worship him. Can you see it? They come to the very people who should have been excited about their inquiry and should have delighted to tell them of the birth of the Christ child. Yet what they find is a people who are troubled and almost disturbed at the question. I can almost see the astonished faces of the wise men. They traveled all this way for this. When God's people were unwilling to testify to the birth of the Messiah, when they didn't even seem to know that he was even born, God had to go get from the East some Gentiles that would witness to the first advent of Christ. Today, God has a people. God has a people awaiting the second advent of Christ. And if some of them aren't willing to testify to this Christ, 
God will again go and find some wise men and women to witness for this Christ. Today, Christ wants you to know that he wants you to be his witness. Christ wants you to be his witness. Jesus wants some man, some woman to testify to his love. Somebody to tell the world that he came as a little baby, lived, died, rose from the grave, and is coming again to take us home. You know, earlier this year, in about maybe, I think it was about February or March, it was March, the beginning of March, March 5th, I was to speak on March 6th at the University of West Georgia. They have a ministry there on campus called Adventist Christian Ministries, and they were having their first worship on campus. And so they invited me to come and speak. And so I went there to go speak, and uh, actually before I went there, that Friday, I went to go get my hair cut. You know, I was trying to look cute for the, for the speaking appointment. <laughs> so my wife and I, Friday afternoon, we get in the car, we're, we're pulling out of the driveway. And as soon as we pull out of the driveway, there is somebody across the street, at the house across the street, and he's calling out to us. And now I'm thinking just about my haircut. But this guy apparently is trying to call out to somebody, and I wanted to believe in my head, because I was going to get my haircut, that he was calling to somebody that was sitting in a car parked in his driveway. And so that's who I think he's calling to. And so as we're pulling out of the driveway, getting onto our street, he's coming closer to our car. Now my wife, who apparently at that time was a little bit more in tune with the Holy Spirit than I was, um, she says, CJ, I think he's calling you. And so I say, well, okay, I got, I'm on a mission for God. I gotta get my hair cut, but all right. So we pull over, and, and true indeed, he was calling me. And so I reluctantly, but you know, I'm, I'm doing God's work, got out, got out of the car. And as I go and start talking to him, I could see that there's tears in his eyes, okay? As I'm looking at him, he looks like he could be kind of streaked, whatever. He just looks kind of rough, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking with him. And as he, he starts to share with me, he says, are you a preacher? You gotta understand, I'm not a pastor or anything right now. So at the time though, I was, um, my wife and I run a ministry for Living for Ministries, and so I was preaching, okay? I was giving Bible studies and all that kind of stuff. So the year before, just a few months ago actually, from that time, his wife came to a series of meetings that I was preaching at. And she lived right across the street from us, and I didn't remember which house she was at, because I remember inviting her, but I didn't remember which house it was. And apparently she told him, that's her husband, she told him, that he's a preacher. And so when he comes outside of the house now, and I'm pulling out, he says, I'm gonna to talk to the preacher. Probably thinks I'm a pastor or something, I don't know. But as he's talking with me, tears coming down his face, I was, it was like a bombshell. He drops on me, he says, listen, this is my last chance, okay? I've been hired to kill people, and I've already done it. And right now my life is headed down a destructive path and I literally feel like I'm about to self-destruct. And if you can't offer me something right now that's gonna help me change my life, I'm gonna go, because I got a contract right now to go kill somebody. Well, you can just imagine now, poor CJ. My haircut appointment was out the window. That wasn't important anymore. Jesus was looking for a witness. 
And so I decided, I said, okay, I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay as long as it takes to be with this young man right now so that he doesn't go and do this. And so I began to tell him, I said, you know, listen, I personally can't offer you something that's gonna change you, but I know somebody that can. And I can tell you that he's changed my life and I believe he can change your life too. And I began to share him about Jesus. And I asked my wife to go inside and get a Bible and a little book, Steps to Christ, to show him how to begin a relationship with Jesus. And she went and got it. And I, and I remember as I'm sharing with, I'm, I'm talking to him and he's hard as nails, you know? And initially some of the things I was telling him, it was almost like, yeah, I heard that before. But as I kept telling him how God changed my life and, and the things he can do in his, in his life and, and, and how this book can help him communicate with this Christ, his, his demeanor changed. He got a little bit more calm. We called a friend, we took him out to, to, to lunch. Um, to dinner, actually, later on. And as I shared Christ with him, I told him, in, in the Bible I gave him, I wrote in that Bible, I said, I'm going to put the, today's date in this Bible. And anytime you feel discouraged, anytime you feel like this path is getting a little bit too difficult, I want you to look back at that date and remember that this was the day you decided to change your life. This is the day that you decided to make a change for the better. This is the day that you decided to allow this Christ to somehow come into your heart and change it and be encouraged. Jesus was looking for a witness that day. I could have just kept going, told my wife to be quiet and let's go get the haircut because I got to preach. But I had a much more important sermon to preach that evening. Jesus wants a witness. You see, these wise men knew that they were coming to a people who were familiar with the prophecies that these wise men had been studying. They were searching for a Christ that, that these people should have been waiting for and celebrating currently. Where was the parade, the, the headlines in the newspapers, the, the media frenzy about the newborn king? Where were the joyful worshipers like here at 180? Instead, they didn't find that. As a matter of fact, if you go to verses three and four, this is what they find. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. You would think they've been waiting all these years for the Messiah. You would think that when they finally have some Gentiles who this, this good news was supposed to go to, come look for the Messiah. You would think that they'd be excited. Oh, it's in Bethlehem. Go down to Bethlehem. But it says that they were troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Then after Herod discovers the location, he deceptively, deceptively directs to Bethlehem in Judea, pretending that he actually wants to go and worship Christ too. They knew the prophecies about the coming Christ, but really weren't ready to welcome him. People often say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Yet, we can get so caught up, as was mentioned earlier, in the decorations and the food, as much as I love some good Christmas food, and getting gifts, as much as I love that, somehow my friend Jesus somehow gets left in the back seat. Christmas is a wonderful time to lift up Christ. 
And people are more open to the gospel now than they are more than, probably more than any other time. And we may say that the season is all about Christ, but when searching people are around you, do they find a person who is excited to share the real story about the Christ of Christmas? Or do they find a people like the ones the wise men encountered who know a lot about him, but who really aren't ready to receive him or invite others to receive him? Christ lovingly looks down tonight and he says, will you be my witnesses? Will you tell somebody about me this Christmas in the middle of all the shopping and running around and, 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 and keep your eyes open for some wise men and women who are looking for this king, this Christ. However, Jesus has another gift. He wants your witness. But Jesus has another gift on his Christmas list. If you look at verses 9 and 11, 9 and 11. It says that when they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they, re they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshiped him. The other thing that Jesus wants you to know this Christmas that he wants for Christmas is that Jesus wants, he desires your worship. I said, Jesus desires your worship. When those wise men left their countries in the east, when they left their families, when they left their comforts to travel the long, rigorous journey to Jerusalem, they knew that they were coming to meet a child that was worthy of their worship. When they found the Christ child, they saw what to others would have just been an ordinary mother in a house with her child. But you see, royalty recognizes royalty. In that child, they recognized the God of the universe and fell down and worshiped him. It was undignified for men of their stature to act in this way especially before such seemingly common people. But when you have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, the natural response is to worship him. I have sat through some very dignified worship services. I have been to very sophisticated Christian conferences. And all appropriate etiquette would suggest that I need to simply sit down, be quiet, and maybe give an amen or two. <laughs> but when I hear of people coming to Christ, or when I think of where Christ has brought me from, or how he keeps blessing me in spite of myself, I can't help but be like those wise men and fall down and worship him. I remember when my car got totaled in 1999 and Jesus spared my life. When I should have died and it totaled my car, the, the impact hit me on the driver's side. The only re appropriate response is to worship him. All I got to do is think about my house and how many times it should have foreclosed. 
But somehow God keeps sending people who are interested to buy it. Right now there's a contract on it. The only appropriate response is to worship him. All I have to do is think back just over a week ago when the money was not in the bank. And God somehow stepped in and provided in the nick of time the only response and the only thing you would have found me doing at that time is to worship him. Yet Jesus isn't looking for us to wait until something happens for us to worship him. You don't even have to wait until you come to 180 or to church to worship him. God is looking for you to worship with him on a 24-7 act of worship. You see, with God, worship is not an egotistical thing. Uh, God knows that we worship what we ascribe worth to. Amen? We worship what we adore like we adored him today. We worship what we love supremely. So what God is really after is a heart that will respond to him in love. Yet Jesus has one more gift that he's looking for this Christmas. Go with me to verse 11. Go with me to verse 11, where it says, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't have time to go into the significance of those three things, but they're all significance in the life and ministry of Jesus. But these wise men continued their worship by giving gifts to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the third thing that Jesus wants you to give him this Christmas season is your wealth. Jesus wants your wealth. Jesus says where your treasure is, where your wealth is, there your heart will be also. Christ is calling us to invest our wealth in things that matter to him. You know, I used to work at the bank. I used to work at Wachovia. I think it's now Wells Fargo. And I can't keep up with all the mergers. And so I used to work at Wachovia. And when I was working at Wachovia, I met a guy there named Barry. He had just become a Christian. And so he was a great teller. I was a mediocre teller. But I loved the Lord. And he was searching after Christ. So he just kind of just blended like, you know, he kind of helped me with the teller thing. I kind of helped him with the relationship with Jesus thing. But while I was there, um, the Lord really put a passion in my heart for ministry. I mean, beyond just as a layperson, I just felt this burning like I got to do this all the time. But quite honestly, I was studying business all the way through undergrad. And by the way, I did a test that told me, they did the Myers-Briggs test. It told me three times I took the test. I didn't like what it said. It said pastor, psychologist, human resource professional. So I chose human, human resource professional. Anyway, you would have thought I would have got it after three times. But anyway, so I do, so, so, so I'm working at the bank and, and, and I'm feeling this passion for ministry. And I told him one day, as I'm getting ready to finish up my bachelor's degree, it's now getting close to Christmas time, it's in the fall. And I'm telling him, I said, you know, I just feel like I need to go to this, this college in Bering Springs, Michigan, and become a youth pastor. I don't know why, but I feel like, I feel like this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And Barry is his name, Barry. Barry would say, Matt, CJ, that's exactly what you need to do. That is exactly what you need to do. Don't do the bank thing, no. But definitely do that. And around this time, every time I would pick up Christian magazines and I'd pick up the Adventist Review and, and, all, and I'd go on the internet and all that, there was this small group curriculum 
about discipleship and, and how to go and make disciples and all that kind of stuff. And, and the whole thing had DVDs and it had a, it had a small group leader's manual and the whole nine and, and, and basically removed every excuse that I had to not do any ministry. And the Lord kept putting this burning in my heart. Now, you know the kind of like the heart palpitations you get or like or, or how your heart is when you just got through working out or, or going jogging. Every single time I would read about that curriculum, my heart would just start fast. I mean, I couldn't I mean, not doing anything, just sitting there sedentary. And all of a sudden, my heart would just start pounding in my chest. And I'm like, what, what's what's going on here? This is like this is not heartburn. <laughs> you know, I mean, what's going on? I could not shake it to the point where literally I couldn't get any rest. And I said, you know, God, I'm a teller. I don't make that much money. And if you, know, if you want me to get this thing and you want me to go forward, man, listen, you're gonna have to give me the funds. You're gonna have to give me the wealth to invest in your kingdom. I have a passion for it, but I don't got the wealth. I don't got the money. You know, I work where there's a lot of that stuff, but I don't have it. And Jesus did something miraculous. Um, which, by the way, I did not go to Andrews at that time. I went on to do my master's in human resource management, but that's a whole other story. I was running from that thing, man. I was just going the opposite corporate, man. That's where I was going. God took a long time. It's a whole other testimony, but God took a long time to work with me. But what I did do is I said, okay, God, I'm not doing the pastor thing, but what I will do is I can do a small group. That, you know, I can do that. And so I said, God, you're going to have to give me the wealth. That Christmas season, kind of like now, the corporate office sends us all an email. We've been doing really, really well this year. Everybody's getting an extra $600 bonus on your check right before the holidays. It cost, the curriculum cost $299. Christ gave me double than what I needed because I was willing to invest what I didn't have. And he gave me what I didn't have so that I can invest in those things that mean something to him. And I got to tell you that God has used that curriculum. It's called New Beginnings. He's used it tremendously. God has blessed us in our ministry with, I believe, to my knowledge now, four souls that have now become disciples of Jesus Christ, that have now become a part of the church and are active members in the whole nine. I mean, we're just excited about it. Matter of fact, one of them that got baptized, I think, was, was it 2009 or 2008, Tristan? Um, 2009, last year, I believe it was last year. Um, we're trying to raise funds now to send him overseas on a mission trip this coming summer, 2011. Just set him on fire for Christ, man. I mean, we want to do that every year, just send somebody overseas. And it was a dream of mine. I never got to do it, so I want to do that for somebody else. You know, God gave me funds I did not have. Now, I'm still waiting for him to do it now. And he will do it. He is. He's taking care of us. But... We need to invest our wealth in the things that matter most to God, the things that matter most to God. The Lord gives us the power to gain wealth so he can trust us with his resources. It all belongs to him anyway, and he only asks us to return 10% of our earnings in response to how much he has blessed us. He also says, put aside a love offering just to show your gratitude to him. And you know, if you really, if you really want to see what, what, what really matters most to someone, just look at their bank statement, and you'll get an idea of what really matters most to people. You know, this Christmas, while we're shopping for gifts and other holiday stuff, why not invest your resources in the things that matter most to Jesus? 
Donate to a ministry or, or a charity that is meeting the needs of the least of these. For Jesus says, when we have done it to the least of these, we've done it unto him. When reflecting on the wise men's act of worship through giving uh, of their wealth, the inspired pen paints a beautiful picture of the account. I love the way Auntie Ellen puts it in her classic Desire of Ages, page 65. She says that, that the Magi had been among the first to welcome the Redeemer. Their gift was the first that was laid at his feet. And through that gift, what privilege of ministry was theirs? The offering from the heart that loves, God delights to honor, giving it highest efficiency for service for him. If we have given our hearts to Jesus, and I hope everyone here has done that, and if not, please see one of us, somebody, tonight. But if we have given our hearts to Jesus, we also shall bring our gifts to him. Our gold and silver, our most precious earthly possessions, our highest mental and spiritual endowments will be freely devoted to him who loved us and gave himself for us. Isn't that a good word? Beautiful. You know, it's just three things that Jesus wants this Christmas. He wants our witness. He desires a heart that wants to worship him, just as a response to the grace, not to earn it, just a response to the grace. And he also wants your wealth to invest in building up with the kingdom of God. However, he doesn't just want them on Christmas. He wants them all year long. Yet there is one more thing that Jesus wants he wants more than any of the other things that I've mentioned so far tonight. Far more than your witness and your wealth and, and your worship. Just one more thing on his list. As a matter of fact, he wanted it so bad that 2,000 years ago he was stretched on a cross. Form of Roman execution to stretch out the pain of the of the person that was being brought to justice. He is passionately in love with everyone under the sound of my voice. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, not only everyone under the sound of my voice, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave, giving of a gift, greatest gift, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What Jesus wants most of all, friends, is you. He just wants your heart, man. It's that simple. Jesus wants you. You know, all the other stuff is going to take care of itself. If he can have you, he'll be happy this Christmas. Amen? Amen. Jesus wants your heart. It sounds so complicated sometimes, but it's really just that simple. And if you want to give yourself to Jesus, to this Jesus of this holiday tonight, won't you stand with me right now? If you want to give your heart to this Jesus, this, this God baby who was born to die for us, because of him, we now can have life eternal life. I want to invite you right now, if you will, as we talk to our dad, if you want, I invite you to lift your hands. 
just, just an adoration. We adore him tonight, just an adoration. And right now in the quietness of this moment, if you can, just talk to your daddy. You're lifting your hands too. In your mind, in your heart, it's fine. Just 20 seconds to say, Lord, I love you and <laughs> I give myself to you again and again and again. And just tell him that you want to give yourself to him this Christmas. And then I'll pray. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Somehow you keep bringing me to speak for you. I really think you would do so much of a better job. But I still love, Lord, the opportunity to talk about how wonderful you are because I know from experience that you are an awesome God. And you're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our hearts. You're worthy of our praise. And, and we don't deserve the gift that we got in you. You just want three things this Christmas. You want somebody to witness about you, that, that, that it's not about the elves and Santa. We've got something far greater than that. We've got you. Jesus, receive everyone here tonight who's lifted their hands to say that they want to be with you, that they, that they love you, and they want to give themselves to you. If there's someone here tonight that has not yet begun a relationship, I pray right now that they can begin that relationship with the greatest gift to ever be given during Christmas. We love you, Jesus. We adore you. And we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to another Living for Him podcast. We pray you were encouraged by the message, What Jesus Wants for Christmas. We invite you to visit our website at livingforhimministries.netasi.org. This holiday season, we invite you to experience the joy of life in Christ. We love you, and may you have a Merry Christmas.